All right, welcome to number seven. Episode number seven. Is this a favorite too? Um, I have a feeling that it's going to be one of my favorite episodes because I feel like we're in a very different field energetically, both of us, than when we've done the past podcasts for many reasons. One of the big reasons is we're actually, I told, Jenny told me like last week, she was like, I just want to go out somewhere in nature and uh, escape. Not escape, but sort of like see something else for a bit. That's what I picked up on. And I was like, oh, well, I... (laughs) This is so classic, my life. I was like, oh, I just rented a... One of my friends, she runs a retreat center in in the middle of the forest. And I just rented this retreat center for five weeks. So if you want to hang out in the forest, you can just come with. And uh, that's what we did. So (laughs) we have spent a couple of days. It already feels like an eternity. Because things here are moving very slow. I think in a very good way. It sounds like you planned that, but you actually didn't. <laughs> yeah, no, it's just synchronicity and, and being spontaneous. But yeah, so we spent the past couple of days out here at the retreat center in the middle of nature. And something happens to you. It's confronting when things are so quiet. But I also feel like my system is slowing down mm. in a good way, because I think that laughing because Jenny has uh, the most fantastic dog and he's sitting here with us recording and he just got a weird um, whimsical thing happening (laughs) he wants to to chase the flies exactly yeah it feels like you're in a totally new awakening and then you're in a new awakening too so it's just like oh wait yeah I think yeah. that's the feeling. It is. And it's different. Changing environment. I think both you and I are so used to sitting in like a very similar environment, repeating a lot of our patterns, uh, which is good and healthy patterns, but also to like step out of that. Because even though we're doing things that it's uncomfortable, we've also created a comfort zone around it. Mm. So to step out of that comfort zone for a couple of days, um, I think it's really good. First and foremost, to appreciate what we have but then also to just yeah to be out here because we're in the middle of nowhere pretty much and there's just a a couple of cars that comes by here and there but other than that i mean the field is like quiet and i think when the field is quiet um everything inside you becomes more loud Mm. like your thoughts um your feelings around certain things maybe feeling bored or whatever, like all these things get amplified when there's not so much noise on the outside. So that's what I'm picking up on as well. It's like, mm, it's like the need to slow down because uh, life sometimes is moving pretty quickly. And uh, it's one of the things that I've asked for and it's beautiful, but it's also nice to just step back. Yeah, because the ego wants to play it safe and the soul wants to expand. So... This feeling that like, oh no, now I'm losing my comfort zone. That is really, you're you're losing the ego's zone. So the ego wants to keep those friends, keep this job, keep your own little circle of 
behaviors, but yeah, the soul wants to do this. And I can really feel that. Yeah. And there's, it's interesting because you can really pick up on, pick up on the thing that there is one version or part of you that wants to, um, you know, I can feel like there's a part of me that wants to like, oh, sort of like go back home and get into my, my old routines. But then there's one part of me is like, you need this. And I think that part is like a deeper part of me who's like, yeah, you need to be here. You need to, to sit with the feeling. Um, and it's nice. It's not like it's a massive feeling of, uh, I just picked up on it today that I feel like now you're getting into the bit, a bit of a flow of being here and uh, I feel like I'm shifting a bit. So it's just interesting to observe what's what's happening when the space is like really quiet. And we have so much space. This house is massive. And um, yeah, you were just like, here, pick a room. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> pick a room and, and choose. And there's like a massive yoga shala and it's, it's just a huge house. And uh, it's it's interesting to have so much space as well. And to like find each other, it's like, okay, hey, now we're here, you're doing your thing, I'm doing my thing. And then we have another person also coming and going a bit. Um, so, yeah, it's just, uh, and it also reminds me of how much I actually enjoy living with people. You create like a f- small cluster of family. It's been like that for me my entire life. Like I love my family dearly. They're super close to me, but... I like my friends has always been my family. I think you've had like a similar thing. Yeah, I've always lived with roomies and almost always women too. It's like I'm I'm actually longing to to live in a like with a lot of people but with a lot of men like uh, that would be super fun. And when you do shit like this, you're just like, yeah, now we're starting to get into it. So it would probably take one more week to even land in this new yeah. reality. So it's taking so long time. To- exactly. What do you pick up on? Because now you say it with me and Edwin. Edwin is, is another brother who's spending time with us here. Um, how is it to spend time with like now men then and and living sort of with men i mean we have so much space so we're not really stepping on anyone's toes but what's the difference that you would say from living with like a lot of women (laughs) you like men are more walking around like robots you're like now i'm gonna do this now i'm gonna do this and now i'm gonna put this on this and you know you, you have the next thing all the time but but women can really be like it's it's a lot of drama. Mm. It's a lot of talking. It's a lot of yeah. And, and I really uh, feel like a man when it comes to that. You know, I I don't. I'm not a drama person. So yeah, I kind of like this robot thing. And then I start to do it too. So it's like yeah, <laughs> because there's no there's no woman here to talk to. So I'm like yeah. I don't know if I, if that's a, a compliment to not <laughs> that we're like robots, but I hear you. I think very, very um, driven and steered by routines. Like they're so far etched to who I am and into 
uh, Edwin is a person that I live with as well outside of this house too. And we have very strong routines. Like we're people who's like waking up pretty much at the same time every morning and going to the gym at the same time and doing our work at the same time. So it is a quite a robotic life. But it's also been... Because I was a person for many years and I think this goes better hand in hand with having a more female or more feminine essence to allow things to flow more freely. And I used to have that sort of energetic, I don't want to say blueprint, but energetic behavior a lot more way back where I was just like, no, I was procrastinating a lot. I was not like mm, planning or getting shit done. I was more like this (laughs) flowing freely around the house or in my life overall I was not having strong routines. And I think the main thing that helped me to get to where I am today was to really dedicate myself to becoming a a routine-based person. And I saw with time how much that helped me to become, um, you know, to mature and to become a lot more embodied was to become routine-based and not to fluctuate so much in my timings. I think with a woman, your timings are already like very fluctuating with, um, you know, the chemicals around hormones and the cycles and everything. But men is much more static. So for me to like go up at the same time, pretty much every single day, it's helped me so much more rather than being like flexible, like tomorrow it's seven, the next day it's eight, the day before it's five. I just get confused. So I need to know that I'm doing this at that time. And that helps me to build a lot of, a lot of like resilience and strong character. Yeah. It really feels like if you ever release a book, it's going to be like from, from hippie to man or something. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Just now as well, you were laughing at me because I even, I was just having every morning because I'm on a, um, I, I'm far into training and one of the things that's helped me a lot is to go on a diet plan not because I'm trying to lose weight or anything but just because I maintain I want to maintain my um, my muscles and I want to make sure that I can keep building and so forth so I'm, I'm keeping track on a lot of things and I'm tracking my food and I'm having a couple of rice crackers every morning and I just took out like four or five rice crackers and I put them on a scale and you were like what the fuck are you doing are you weighing your rice crackers? I was like, yeah, I want to know that you eat enough. <laughs> yeah, it looked so funny. Like, there's no calories or anything. Like, what, what, what are you doing? Yeah, tracking my macros. It's a boring conversation, but it, it's something that, that's also helped me quite a bit. Because I think I'm the kind of person as well, is like when I don't keep track of things, uh, I have a tendency to fluctuate there too. I have a tendency then to like eat whatever that whatever I want and at some point for me it's like oh shit I just smashed a whole uh, package of dates for example <laughs> and it's, it's like yeah it's tough sometimes I'm just gonna have one or two it's like no they're so freaking good that you're gonna have the whole thing so for me to like hold myself back and hold myself accountable and to um, essentially keep myself in, in order in some way it helps me a lot yeah, it's almost like watching you too. It's almost like you're you're those Sims characters. So you always know the next step. So then you're turning around and do the next. So 
Yeah, I was even thinking about it like if you had my dog, you would probably be like, yeah, I'm walking him 10 a.m., 1 p.m. And like, I'm just like, yeah, it seems like he wants to go out, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hope that listen, if he would bark at me and say that he wants to go out, I'll probably go out as well. But yeah, I mean, that's really how I... I it's insane. I mean, at some point it was getting out of hand because I designed whole schedule around my life from like the moment that I wake up to, to the moment that I go to sleep. I had like all these things at the exact like timings that I wanted to get done. And I was like, no, this is way too much. I mean, this is too mm, masculine, but in a, in a non-healthy way. So it was like, 5 a.m. ice bath. It was like 5.15, lemon water. 5.35, yoga practice. And it was like going on like this for a whole... I think I kept it for like a couple of two, three days. And I was like, okay, this is not going to work. Mm. This is too many things. And that was robotic to like a, an extreme extent because there was no room for intuition. There was no room for flexibility. There was no room for like, okay, maybe today I want to do 30 minutes of yoga and tomorrow I want to do one hour it, it, there was no room for like feeling into things it was just completely like this is exactly what we're gonna do like a military school hmm. and ah that was too much so i have certain things that is like what i call non-negotiables i think it's a really good practice for people who's like um lacking discipline or needs to start taking care of themselves is to find a couple two to three non-negotiables I think I mentioned this before, and I, and those are things that you cannot negotiate yourself with. You have to do them every single day. And don't put 10 things in there, but put two or three. You have to take a cold shower every single day, for example. Or you have to do a workout, or you have to do a 15-minute breathwork practice every single day. These are non-negotiables. Whatever happens, you're going to get them done. That's a really strong tip that I have for people. And don't overwhelm yourself with 10 or 15, but start with a couple. Mm. And then just keep them. Just know that whatever happens, I'm going to do them. So would you say that you were more in your feminine energy than your masculine energy a few years ago? A hundred percent. Yeah, because that also tells people that are listening to this that it's a hundred percent also... Uh, doable to to turn it all around and mm. to be like no I'm, I'm gonna master the other side and actually start to to have that one as yeah. my strong side so it's not like you you're born into one of them and then you you're always going to be like that it's not like that and i think it has a lot to do with your family like I've always been or had the feminine energy as my home energy and like, yeah, the masculine has been tough for me. So, but looking at my family, I have four big sisters and um, like wherever I've been in the world, I've been living with roomies that has been girls. So the more you're in that environment, the more you're also going to practice it. So. Yeah, for sure. You're surrounding such a huge thing. I just heard that it, it, they did a massive experiment actually on, on twins and triplets uh, who had been separated from birth because this is actually quite common. So they'd been separated from birth and they saw that the character 
of the twins, even though they'd been separated from birth, were extremely similar because it was in their genetics. Like their character was almost built into their genetics. And this says a lot about, you know, humanity, because essentially I think that who you are becoming, you can see twins also waking up in the same house or siblings growing up in the same house. And they're so different from one another. But then you can see like twins then we, um, being born and being separated, growing up in, in complete different places and they never see each other and they become super similar anyways. And they saw that this, so genetics was playing a huge role. The other thing that was playing a huge role was not so much your family unless you'd gone through like massive trauma. So your family did not have a huge impact on building your character, but your friends had. So the people that you were hanging out with, who you were considering being your friends, they were actually the ones that had the most impact on on building your character and who you were going to become when you were older. And we see that today. I I know we were talking about that yesterday. You were like, um, no names shared, but let's say that there's a person who has, um, who's a fantastic woman, driven, you know, has everything in house and so forth. Um, but her son, he's ended up in a very like, um, in like a criminal scene and he's become a very, a person who's not taking care of himself, not because of her, but because of the friends that he's had. Mm. So the friends has had a lot more impact on his character than maybe his mom or his dad has had. So that's a huge thing. It's like choosing your friendship circle is going to be huge in relation to building the character or building the person that you want to essentially become mm. and maybe more impact than your parents and so forth. Because your parents, anyways, when you were young, you, you'd never listen to them anyways. So, <laughs> you know? yeah. so yeah, I think this is huge. Like understanding how much of an impact the people that you surround yourself with has on you. Mm. Yeah. That's big. It is a big one, and I think many uh, needs to sit down and think a little bit, like, who am I becoming and and why? Mm. And it's also in dating, like, oh my God, you're, you're not... When people think about dating, they are thinking, like, is this person suiting my future? And th- that's also important. Am I attracted to this person but do you want to become this person yeah exactly yeah no and that's a huge thing and with what you said there as well i think a lot of people they are caught up on the feeling of getting getting butterflies in their stomach when they see someone or when they meet someone it's like the initial feeling of i i feel like i'm in love with that person you have butterflies in your stomach but i think butterflies in your stomach can also sometimes be correlated with worry because it's your nervous system that is, of course, excited, but also a bit anxious about because you don't really know where you have this person. And there's an excitement to it. There's like an av- adventure. But I think rather than trying to look for the extremely, you know, wild butterflies in your stomach, look for someone that soothes your, soothes your, uh, soothes your nervous system. So I think that makes a lot more sense when you grow older and you want to be with someone that can make you feel safe and that can soothe you and that can put you in a nervous system response that is going to be healthy. 
And if you have someone that continues, even though it feels exciting and it feels adventurous, but they're putting in a nervous system response that is just out of hand and not healthy for you, even though it's exciting, it's probably not something that you're going to stick to. So I think, again, like listening to the responses that your nervous system will have. And and what I mean by that, too, to make it more concrete and practical is like, am I able to relax with this person and am I able to relax with this person when I'm not with them you know what I mean it's like am I able to relax even though I know that they're out um, with friends having a drink or um, I know that they're somewhere else seeing other people whatever it could be it's like am I able to relax enough to know that um, because you trust that person essentially so you can relax into the feeling that you have in between you I think that's important too. Mm. Trust is love. For sure. Mm. And from there, how about we go into, I know that you have had um, a question that's come up a lot of times from both women and men. Uh, Do you want to start with the women one? Yes. So the most common question that I uh, get in DMs uh, from women are like, I want some, some coaching in is that, the feeling when a woman feels like she is too much and this could be anything but i think they most of them mean uh, dating what would you say to a woman that feels like she's too much in the beginning of dating i think a big thing here is i'm picking up what i'm picking up on is in the initial stages of meeting someone and dating someone, I think it's very common for the woman to be a lot more reserved. And the man is like being in, in this role of like maybe chasing a bit, you know, a bit more and, and trying to claim that person or trying to, to, I don't know, win them over in some way. And I think this is very natural. You look into the biology and you look into like, a lot of animals especially birds you know they're making all these dances and they really try to impress the female and it's always the male doing all these dances and all these things and these prunes and trying to look big and and whatever to impress the female bird essentially but the female bird is always very reserved until she makes her choice and i think it's the same thing and for us humans too it's like the man is usually the one that needs to in some way uh, impress or that needs to, um, I guess, show that he is a safe person and someone that's trustworthy. And, and, you know, there's so many more things to do than just impress. But impress can mean give an impression that this is someone that the female wants to be with. And what I think is happening for a lot of people is that they are very reserved in the initial stages and then when a woman makes the choice that, okay, I am, I am going to want to be with this person, they can open up extremely quick. And they can become too much very quickly. It goes from like zero to 100. Mm. So what I'm seeing with a lot of people is like, so the man is chasing. And I think what you, for it to be healthy, and I'm not saying that the chase is healthy, but it's like, allow the opening to be soft and slow and it's like you're almost giving like it's it's you're instead of opening the floodgates allow it to like simmer allow the water to simmer in 
that's an analogy that I use because I think a lot of people, again, they're like, okay, I'm choosing to, I, I want to be with this person. And then you, you open the floodgates and you give everything, you know, at the same mm-hmm. time. And for a man that can feel like, okay, oof, what happened now? Mm-hmm. You just went from, you know, being close and insecure to just like giving everything. Mm-hmm. And I think that can be too much to handle at one point. So I think if you, if a man feels like you're too much after you've been with each other for a while, it's obviously not the right man for you or he needs to do a lot of work. But my suggestion is allow the process to be slow and allow it to be like a slow burn because it's going to keep the excitement a lot longer and it's going to help you to like stay in the honeymoon phase for a lot longer as well. Because I feel I see a lot of people there, you know. Oh, we met for three months and now we're getting married. And it's like, well, good luck. I know that you're going to divorce in a couple of months, anyways, mm. because it's so exciting and they're giving me everything in the in the beginning, and then it just like oof, it crashes because it's too much. Mm. So allow things to take time, um, and allow yourself to open more like a flower. Or, you know, yeah. Do not rush into things. Yeah, it almost feels like this question, like, am I too much as a woman for the man that I'm dating? Well, the fact that you feel like you need to ask someone else but him makes me want to answer that it's mm. probably not him. Because if it was him for you, you would he would make you feel safe enough to talk about that with him mm. absolutely absolutely and I also think it's like asking yourself like what is too much because one of the traits that I have and I think I'm making an assumption that I think a lot of men has this and it's one of the shadows that I carry in relationship and it's when there is like an argument or Uh, when I don't feel fully aligned with myself or with the person that I'm with, I have a tendency to close. And I have a tendency to become quiet and reserved. And that can feel like I'm, I'm shutting people out. But I also have seen with a female that the tendency is the opposite. That they just like, you know, they become like, um, I, don't know. I don't know, what's the analogy that I can use? Almost like, you know, like tentacles on an octopus. They just like, (laughs) they just jump on you and they just sit there until you give that validation. Because I think there's a lot, I think the wound around being, um, the wound around being left and the wound around being uh, left alone for a woman is usually a lot bigger than from a man. So I think the the woman will usually react by like trying to get in even more and trying to get closer while the man is like becoming a bit more reserved and wanting to like step back or take distance. Mm. Um, I had a point with this that I can't remember. <laughs> What were you saying? <laughs> <laughs> no, now I was just thinking like, yeah, it's probably more common that, I mean that females are more common to be 
uh, anxious attachment style and men are more common to be avoidant. Yeah. I really believe that. I, uh, yeah, for sure. I can be definitely be avoidant. That's, that's one of the things that I can do when I feel like it's too much for me that I, I feel like I can't necessarily handle it. Um, I can definitely be or get avoidant. And usually it's it's not that I take complete distance, but I do need some space to like collect myself. So I think don't, as a woman, even though it's tough because you want that love, you want to be held, you want to be seen in that moment, I think just practice... If you can just give your man, like, I think sometimes it's enough with like 10, 15 minutes for him to just sit with it and just leave him alone. Like, don't keep nagging. Don't keep throwing gasoline on the fire when he's already triggered. And I see this a lot with like unhealthy relationships as well, that when a man is already triggered, a woman can be a master, an absolute master of saying the exact right things and keep like throwing like, verbal gasoline on the fire until the point where he like breaks and that's when i think that um you know relationship can get really abusive i think that a lot of relationships the the male is often so much more often very abusive towards the the female in um, a physical sense and this is never okay um, but I think there, there's also a lot of relationships where the woman is a lot more abusive on a mental sense and can really be hard with her words. I've seen it myself many times with friends. I have a, a, a good friend of mine who he was in a relationship with a woman for about three years and she was mentally abusing him immensely. Hmm. Um, she was uh, extremely just vulgar with her words and with how she chose to treat him and, and uh, you know, essentially like um, talk to him. And it got to a point where he he got physically abusive once where he pushed her towards, uh, you know, the wall and pushed her down into the bed and said, if you ever touch me again, I'm going to hit you. And that was, of course, not okay. Um, but I think, you know, essentially she broke him, um, to the point where he just had like this massive reaction. Mm. So, and I think this is a story and, and I don't get me wrong here cause I don't want to be controversial in the manner or, or the matter. I don't want to say that, you know, women, it's their fault or that the man is abusive, but I think that there's oftentimes two sides to a coin and i think that we're not talking enough about the abuse that is happening on the other spectra hmm. and uh, back to energies uh, this is why we talk feminine and masculine energy so much because it's in everything and in that fire that you t- you're talking about in those fights it's a lot of um like one part is in their wounded masculine and one part is in their wounded feminine. But it could be that the woman is in the wounded masculine. Mm. And if she is, then she is in control. She's trying to control everything about him. And then he is in his wounded feminine energy, which puts him in manipulation. Mm. And when manipulation... (laughs) 
is confronting control. This happens that you just said. Yeah. Because we all want to use the weapons at hand and usually a man is going to be a lot stronger physically than a woman. So there is always going to be like a physical advantage. But then a woman wants to be able to use some sort of weapon as well. And I think the wounded feminine normally uses like the verbal weapon in that sense. And to be honest with you, like I growing up as a kid and I think I, I think I'm making it something that you can relate to this, but I had a lot of female friends always had and I had a lot of female friends who didn't want to hang out with other female friends. Because, you know, essentially, when I was fighting with one of my friends when I was young, let's say I'm 15, I have a good friend, we're fighting. We were okay 30 minutes or one hour later. But I had female friends in my in my classroom who'd fight and they wouldn't speak for a year. Mm. They wouldn't speak for six months. They wouldn't speak for eight months. They wouldn't look into each other's eyes. It was just so freaking prolonged. And, the, you know, we would usually fight maybe in a verbal manner, but we would get more physical. But the women, like the words that they were using towards each other in school and so forth, that was like extremely vulgar. So they were not fighting in a physical manner, but the mental abuse was insane. Mm-hmm. And the bullying that was happening between women or, or girls at that point. So I think that's, you know, women or the feminine is more equipped with like a sharp tongue. Mm. And men is more using or canalizing that through physical manners mm. by fighting or so forth. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's like, that's why so many women are more drawn to hang out with the guys because women can really, and, and this is, oh, I don't like this, but. Many women, they can even be close to another woman, go on trips with other women and still actually don't want the best for her. So Mm. I can have a woman in my life who's super close, but actually she don't want what's best for me. Women can do that. I've seen it happen so many times. Men are not doing that. Mm. I think if we speak in numbers, at least, of course, there's going to be men who's doing that too. But I speak, and when we speak in numbers, I think the physical abuse again is so much larger from men towards women. But I'd, I'd, I'd be interested to just look at the mental abuse from women towards men. Mm. It would just be interesting to see the numbers because I think it's a huge dark number that we don't talk about. It's, it's controversial to mention. People is like, well fuck that you know but i'm like well it's it is a problem too and we can't shun away from the fact that it is a problem and i think this is really when we talk about the wounded masculine and the wounded feminine this is really one of the things that the wounded feminine will will take part in Mm. and one of the traits that comes forth very clearly with uh, women who who is wounded in some way and wants to maybe defend something or, you know, so forth. Mm. So it's a huge topic. And coming back to the initial question, because that's what we were talking about, is, um, yeah, being too much. And we spiraled immensely yeah. from that question, <laughs> as always. Uh, but to make a conclusion, what, what do you think? A question to you then. 
what do you think feeling too much is all about? Mm, one, I think that we are a lot as women, like we are. Um, <laughs> there's four different seasons of us in a month, like we are a lot. And it's just to accept that, but maybe you don't have to throw everything that you are on a man that you're dating <laughs> the first weeks, you know? It's more to be a little bit street smart in it. It's not, don't be yourself. It's more like, okay, I have an awareness that I can sometimes be a lot. So, yeah, I'm going to get to know this person before I'm throwing my whole self uh, on this person. But... Yeah, I've felt it many times, but in those times I've also been like, but if it really was him, would I feel like this? Mm. Yeah. Mm. And it's a scary thought for people who is, you know, living in relationships and they they're, can be essentially happy. And I think if there is a willingness from both ends to like do the work, and, and communication, like communication is key with everything and honesty and being open and being able to communicate about all things. Mm. Like having a caring, radical honesty into the, into the relationship will help you immensely to build strong foundations and to also figure out, is this good for us or not? So having the radical honesty in there is huge. I know as well because you know like you said like I, I I remember I was dating a woman that was she came to Sweden she was from Japan and she came to Sweden to hang out with me we had a lovely time we saw each other at, at, at a retreat and we found interest in one another we had a lovely time and then we she came to Sweden to hang out with me but then it was a bit when she came the feeling was maybe not the same and it was a bit too much and I became avoidant and a bit closed. And I was like, I have to talk to her about it. Like, I can't carry it. And I think the fear for me was that... Um, I think for me at that point, looking back, it was like, I'm super happy that you're here. I want to be here with you. I want to hang out with you. But I also want to let you know that I'm not in a stage in my life where I'm able to dedicate myself to something like this because we have a lot of distance and so forth. So I just want to clear the air and let you know where I'm at. And you let me know how you respond to that. And she was actually at the exact same page because, I mean, we were living like oceans apart and so forth. But we we wanted to hang out. But just having that open conversation and being honest about where I was at that opened also us up for deeper intimacy so after that conversation I wanted to be with her even more than mm. before do you know what I mean <laughs> because we just had a conversation and we were laying out all things on the table like we were honest we were authentic we were raw we were like sharing like this is where I'm at and I think what the, that whole act is about it's like this is my truth. Mm. Take it or leave it. You know? So if you put truth on the table, now the other person has a choice. It's like, do I accept this truth and can I stay and stick with it? Or do I not accept and leave? Mm. 
but putting truth on the table is going to always serve you a lot better than walking around and carrying those things on the inside. And it can, if you're in a relationship that you're not happy with, being extremely honest with the things that you're not talking about, the questions that you're avoiding today, that can absolutely potentially lead you to a place where you're going to leave your partner. But it can also potentially lead you to a place where you're going to create even deeper intimacy, even more love, and want to be with each other even more than you want to now. Mm. So... Honesty, truthfulness is always worth it. Mm. 100%. And I was also thinking about with the question, like, it's said that men falls in love. Most men, not all men, most men falls in love in space between. Women, we fall in love with the in the actual touch, in the hugs, in the kisses, in the lovemaking. So this dance is is quite hard to, to to actually do because you need to to let him have some space and he needs to understand that oh my god she 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 is probably because it's not all women but most women falls in love when when you're super close mm. interesting i love that you're saying that because there is something i've been teaching the art of handstands for many years and there's something in your brain called motor neurons So when you're a kid and you want to find balance, so these motor neurons, they're essentially helping your brain to find your balance point. And the first time you're going to try a handstand, these motor neurons are going to shoot out to every single direction in your brain and your brain would not be able to sample them, which is why you cannot find balance. But the more you practice and the more you do it, the the motor neurons is going to become more directed towards one place and they will collect themselves much more efficiently for you to be able to find balance but the interesting thing is the motor neurons they find their place and they learn balance not when you're handstanding but in the breaks in between Mm -hmm. so when you've done a handstand you're not necessarily going to become better when you do the actual handstand, but your body's almost going to understand during the integration. So when you have a break between today's handstand and tomorrow's handstand, that's when your body's actually learning where to place those motor neurons and mm. to become better. And I'm picking up the same thing when you're mm. saying that, because I can say, I can tell too that when I'm with someone that I want to be with, it's not always, I don't always realize that in the moment when I'm with them. But I do realize it in the absence mm. of them. Mm. That's when I can like truly realize, it's like, okay, I can step back, I can integrate the meeting, I can understand what's been happening, and I can fall deeper into love because I'm now understanding that I'm really enjoying their company. But sometimes when you're so deep into something, it's hard to catch yourself in that moment. So just having a bit of distance, like we said, like having a bit of distance from home and not being here for a couple of days, it's also rekindling my gratitude for having my home and for being able to be there and Mm. having my routines but i would not be able to see that as clearly if i did not step out of it for a couple of days so Mm. i think same thing with meeting someone or dating someone i think it's super easy to like be with each other intensely as hell you know for a couple of weeks or months and you don't take like a proper break in between i think it's healthy it's like take a couple of days 
Yeah, but for us, it's the other way around. Yeah, so, yeah. So for me, it's like when I finally see him again, I'm like, fuck, yeah. I like him so much. That is when I realize that I'm actually falling in love. Yeah. So the space in between is like, maybe I don't. Maybe there's mm, no feelings. Maybe. Yeah. So, so it's the total opposite. And it's interesting. Super, super interesting. And I picked up on this too, because I feel like I've always been the one who is like more intense in the spaces in between. Because that's when I feel maybe more connected, whilst the other part, the other part or the other person is more maybe questioning what we have and what we do in the spaces in between. Mm-hmm. So yeah, very interesting. And I also wanted to go back to attachment styles because I don't think it's good. I don't think it's good to become. Or, or see yourself as an attachment style, if, if any attachment style, the healthy one. But to walk around and, and to talk about with your friends that I'm an avoidant, I don't know. I think you're going to become more. Yeah, 100%. You, it's dangerous to identify yourself with these concepts. You can see which of these concepts am I maybe carrying more off or which of these concepts are more in alignment with how I react, Mm. but not to say that this is who I am. I'm not an avoidant person, 100%, because that's a mantra. Yeah. And you become your mantras. I have a healthy attachment style. Yeah. That's what you want to say. Yeah. Because what I realized when... Because I was the uh, anxious one, but then I started to to say that I am and I'm becoming more of every day the healthy attachment style. Then I suddenly I found myself being avoidant mm. because I didn't see myself as anxious anymore. So I totally switched to to healthy and avoidant instead. So this could totally turn around if you just let go of yeah. the one you are or say that you are. For sure, because we so often identify ourselves with these concepts and, and we become the concepts that we identify ourselves with. Mm. You know, I'm a lazy person. I am this. I am that. I am this. It's like you're, you're spelling yourself. You're putting it into reality. And this is not hard truths. Mm. You know, it's like, are you a lazy person? Well, no. I mean, no one is by nature a freaking lazy person. I don't, you know, for example, this is an example. Um, But of course, if you put that spell and you put that cape on yourself every single day and you like, oh, that's my title. Of course, you're going to act like you're a lazy person because you're identifying yourself with the concept. Mm. And this can even be un or subconsciously. But if you keep repeating these things when we look into the word mantra which is a sanskrit word that has two if we look into the etymology of them of of the word it has man which means mind and it has tra which means tool so a mantra is a tool for the mind but a tool can be used in many different ways so a mantra is something in, in yoga that you repeat like over and over again like Om Gam Maha. It's like a, a prayer, for example, to a deity or whatever it could be. But a mantra can also be something that you say on an everyday basis. If you are a person who's complaining a lot, for example, and you're complaining about the same thing over and over and over again, your body and your mind and your subconscious body will not understand 
if it's a positive or a negative thing because your body and the subconscious mind doesn't necessarily live in the field of positive and negative mm. it will just pick up and pick up on what's being repeated so if you repeat to yourself continuously like a complaint your body will think that okay well this is this person's continuously manifested reality so it, it will start to you know be brought into reality mm. Of course, your life's going to suck if you always complain about it. I mean, come on, they go hand in hand. Mm. <laughs> so. 100%. Yeah, you become what you say that you are. Mm-hmm. What are you going to say from tomorrow on that you are? A freaking unicorn, man. Yeah, you're the <laughs> shit. And I was also thinking about the moment I had in the shower the other day here. And I came out and I was just like, yeah. It's it's so simple, but we make it look so hard. What most men are looking for in a partner is peace. Mm. Yeah. Peaceful. Peaceful life. And what most women are looking for in a man is a safe embrace, safe mm-hmm. arms to hold her. Yeah. But what we see right now in the world is that men are not running to become some safe arms Mm -hmm. and women are not running towards becoming more peaceful. Uh, And I do agree with that too is yeah, a peaceful relationship is fucking awesome. I mean, oof, because a relationship can really be the most draining thing in your entire life. If it's not peaceful, But when it's when there is peace embedded and when there is acceptance and when there is calm and serendipity uh, and there is essentially um, there is an allowance for things to take time. Yeah, that's great. Mm-hmm. Because essentially... This is the thing too with men. If the most important thing in a man's life is his relationship, it's not going to work out. And I'm sorry about saying that, but what I mean by this is the purpose of a man cannot be the relationship. The purpose of a man has to be on a much bigger macro scale. You want to feel like you have a purpose. You want to feel like you're providing not only for one person, but for a lot of people. And the woman is always, it's going to be crucial for the woman or for the partner to be on that mission too um but the re- if if the relationship is the most important thing in a man's life it's almost like he's becoming emasculated um and and the woman will feel that too the woman wants to feel like this man has a bigger purpose than me this man is working for something that is like bigger larger What's the most attractive thing to a woman? It's not like, oh, he's putting all his attention on me. He's doing everything for me all the time. It's like, no, he's opening the door for this old lady. Oh, he's doing charity work for these kids. Or he's working hard and doing this and building that. It's like his purpose is much larger than relationship. It's always going to be so much more attractive. Or he's building this company or his whatever he's doing. The purpose has to be bigger than the relationship mm. for it to be able to work. Because there's not going to be magnetism otherwise. And if the relationship isn't peaceful, he's not going to be able to work on his purpose. Yeah, exactly. So they go hand in hand. Mm. So behind every successful 
man, there is usually an even stronger woman um, who's been there and been supportive. You can see that with like all the super, um, you know, all the the, um, the super successful business owners, entrepreneurs, scientists, whatever it could be. Most of these women has a re- uh, most of these men. There's women too, but most of these men has a really strong woman by their side. Mm. Um, and she is as important in this equation, if not even the most important piece. It's the same thing if we turn this around and look at those safe arms, you know, if, if a woman has a man with like if she is held in a safe embrace, you're going to watch her bloom. Mm-hmm. Oh, my. And you can see it. You can see if a woman is. So, yeah, it's it's huge. For sure. Good spell. And with that, too. You had another question, but on the other spectra, right? Yeah, so the most common question when it comes to to messages from, from men and when it comes to dating that I get is if a woman is playing hard to get or if a woman is playing games and he notices this, um, what should I do? And... Um, my answer to that would actually be that she's not that interested. Mm. Because if she's able to play uh, games hot and cold and uh, like all of those games for months, you know, she's not that interested. Because when a woman is crazy about a man, he will know. Yeah. You're not going to question that. Yeah. I think in the initial stages is always a bit harder to pick up on. Uh, but I do agree with you for sure. It's like playing games is a weird thing, but it's like I also have a lot of men that I know and this can be wounded parts of them, but it's like they've been interested in a woman until she stopped playing games. When she was like, I want to be with you, I've made the choice. Then they're like, okay, well, I'm not interested anymore because it's not a game anymore. It's Mm. not a chase anymore. Mm. I think this is super common. And that that you just said is very uh, important to understand that in those hot and cold games or any game, then we as humans, we actually become obsessed with the space in between and how that space is moving. So we are actually not being more and more obsessed by the person. We're being more and more obsessed by the space in between. So what happens when they both parts stops playing games? Then there's no obsession. Because you were never from the start obsessed by the person. You were yeah. obsessed by the space. Uh, yeah, and by the, maybe the game itself. And the chase and the chemical reactions that you had by this chase. I think that's the problem. It's like you will be induced by so many chemical reactions when you want to be with someone, but they're, they are avoiding or they're trying to like play hard or like the chemical reactions that a person gets from that is like drugs. <sighs> so, of course, this is going to be in the initial stages to some extent exciting. But to be honest with you, 
like I'm at a stage in my life where if a woman seems not interested, I'll just let her go. I'm mm. like, I'm, I don't have time for this. You know what I mean? So when I was younger, so what can I do? I was more focused on like, what can I do to make sure that this person becomes interested in me? And I was not letting go as easily. But nowadays I'm like, if I see signs of people not being interested, I just move on. It's like, it doesn't matter how excited or how, you know, you know, attracted I am. It's like, if it's not, if there's not like a mutual effort or if there is not an interest from both ends, I'm like, well, I don't have time for it. Mm. I can't prioritize it, even though I sometimes feel like, oh shit. But I'm like, okay, just move on. I think it's so much ego nowadays when people yeah. walk into relationships. They're like, I want this person or, yeah, you know, I'm obsessed by this or attached to this person instead of actually feeling with the soul. Like, do I feel like, first of all, do I feel like I am the person that should be standing next to this person to take this person higher and the other way around do I feel like this person standing next to me is going to make me bloom yeah because I think a lot of people today they're walking into relationships even if they don't feel this mm -hmm. because they're attached yeah and I think uh, unfortunately too there is like way too much focus on potentially having like a physical attraction to someone and i think you know physical attraction is always going to like open the initial door but then when you get into someone and it's like same thing there it's like it doesn't matter how physically attractive someone is when they show their true self and i am not into that person like from a personality perspective it doesn't matter how good they look i'm like i'm all out it's like there is no interest left so that's also something that's shifted for me a lot. Is like when you were, when I was younger, I was much more prone to the physical attraction. Whilst now I'm much more looking into like who is the personality behind. And then of course, if I'm not at all physically attracted to someone, it's not going to work. You know, can I build this physical attraction? I don't know, and, and that's a tough one because I think that that's something that you know from the get go. Um, and you can build upon that too. Um, but when it comes to personality, that, you know, that removes everything for me. Physical attraction, everything. It's just like done, finished. If, I, if I'm not attracted to a person's personality. Mm. So, so there, of course, there needs to be both. But I think a lot of people is now dating on, on physical attraction mainly. Mm. And that's why people have freaking damaged relationships and freaking damaged, um, you know, they are in very unhealthy relationships is because they've chosen a partner depending on their looks and not how they treat them or how they are with other people, um, what their focus is, how do, how do they take care of themselves. And is this the woman that's going to be the fire underneath your purpose? Yeah. It's a huge one. Exactly. And hopefully we get better at this when we get older. I think some of these things comes with age, but same thing there. 
I mean, I'm not going to mention any names, but I know people who's twice my age who's in relationships that are definitely not healthy for them. Mm. And I know that you've seen that too. Yeah. <laughs> and they're just stuck. Yeah. They're just freaking stuck. And I'm like... Looping. Yeah. And I'm like, how is this serving you? Yeah. You have maybe 30 years at maximum of your life remaining. Why do you stay in this? Mm. Let's say that you have 20 you know, why do you freaking stay in this? It's not serving you. It's not serving them. You're not happy. You don't have a fun sex life. Like nothing is fun. It's just not. But you're so comfortable and afraid of letting go of this reality that you just stay with it. Yeah. Really look at the reasons. Why are you in this? And if it's like, yeah, it's because we have this house together or it's because we're working together or it's like it's it's not the right reasons. Yeah. You have to be willing and you you have to you know, the potential hurt is going to be so much worth taking rather than missing out on all the things that you could do if you were not in that relationship that is going to serve you and help you to become a better human or have a better life or whatever. Mm. Those moments are going to be worth it. So, I mean, if you are in a relationship right now where, I know we speak a lot about this too, but yeah, it's just one of the things that I see are holding back people immensely. Um, it's like the person, the person that you choose is the reality that you choose. Mm. And don't be afraid. I mean, I see so many people too. I was dating a woman a few years ago who was, she was um, a bit older. She was married. and uh, But they were in a polyamorous relationship, but married. And why this was is because they were life partners. They loved each other to death. And they really wanted to be with each other. So they built their life together. But their sex life didn't work. She's like, either we find a solution to this. We know that we want to be with each other. We want to share home. We want to share business. We want to live this life together. Like they were, they were freaking power couple, but the sex life didn't work. They did not resonate with their sex life and they've been trying everything, but it just didn't click. So they were like, okay, either we separate or we accept that we're going to live our lives together and we're going to have separate sex partners or separate, you know, lovers. Mm. And that's how they made it work. So what I think too is like, yeah, don't get too attached also of like, I think we're so attached to it has to be a hundred percent or nothing, you know? And I'm not saying that I'm not a person necessarily who wants to live in a polyamorous relationship. I've gone through that. It was a, an interesting experience. Um, but, but I think also people are very, very stuck up on specific ideas around things. And I think their solution is so brave because they know that they want to be with each other. They love each other to death. But if something doesn't work, it's not that they have to like break free completely, but they find a solution to it, a common solution that, of course, is going to be painful in the initial stages, but now has been serving them more than anything because mm. their relationship has never been better. Mm. So, yeah, I think often we also get so... Um, yeah, we just, it has to be this or it has to be that. Mm. You know, we're very black and white around these things. Mm. 
but there is you know even though it's different it's a very different way of doing it there you can find solutions if you're open to it mm. yeah so to the question spiral yeah to the question what's the freaking question jenny <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the chase and uh, yeah. Yeah. So conclusion for me is if there is a healthy chase and if it's not extremely prolonged and it's uh, the woman is, is like, if she's showing signs of not being interested, I mean, get out. Hmm. But if there is like a healthy chase and it's fun and there's like mutual interest and it goes on for not forever, I think that can even be good and healthy, you know, because then you have to work for it. Yeah. You you should have to work for your relationship. And of course, it's different the age that you're in. Like, I even remember myself and how I was thinking when I was 18. I was like, yeah, maybe going into this relationship just for two months, you know, it could be fun. <laughs> I was really thinking like yeah. that. And, and, and now you're just like, oh, because now you know how much you actually become the person that, that you're in a relationship with. Like when you're sharing bedroom you're also sharing trauma <laughs> and uh, that was something that i was just not thinking about at all yeah of course because no one's taught us about this ah. and it's a very taboo thing that people don't i don't know how it is in other countries but talking about love and sex and stuff with your parents in sweden when you're like 15 16 no oh, no <laughs> You need very high ceiling in the house to be able to talk about those things. And I think there's very few parents here in Scandinavia who's like having these open conversations with their kids, which leads to a lot of kids. They do not have the tools. They do not have the conversation in their backpack. They do, they're not equipped to know. So we have to navigate through this like murky, muddy, weird water on our own because mm. it's not something that you talk about with your parents. Praise the Lord. I want to be able to have these conversations with my potential future kids. Mm. I want to be able to like uh, talk open about these things to also help them understand that this is how you can avoid things that is not going to be good for you. This is how you can potentially avoid, you know, being hurt or moving too quick or, or so forth. So, yeah. And just how many horror stories there is around people losing their freaking virginity i mean come on mm. like this is also horrible it's like this is your first experience with sex okay you don't have to expect it to be like a, a i was about to say a porn movie but that's not a good thing but you don't have to expect that it's going to be like the most beautiful interesting experience i think for a lot of people it is a bit traumatic the first time but you can definitely equip your kids with knowledge around how to make it way less traumatic because people are, I think a lot of kids are... Stop there. How was yeah. your first time? Oh, shit. <laughs> My first time, okay, first and foremost, I was drunk. Yeah, I was drunk and she was drunk too. It was actually like an old friend of mine. And uh, we were at a party and don't ask me, you know, one thing leads to another. We were both drunk. It was weird. It was not a good experience. Mm. It was weird. It was... Um, it was not enjoyable. It was not a, like I was enjoying it. 
a part of me was probably super happy because I was like, I lost my virginity, you know, it was like, <laughs> so part of me was probably super freaking happy and proud and whatever. But, you know, I was like, it, it was not like I came out and I was like, oh my God, that was so nice. <laughs> no, because <laughs> it was not, uh, it was probably like dry and weird and yeah, I don't know. Mm. So that was my first experience. And I do not recommend someone copying that experience. I guess I make an assumption that most people who's listening to us is maybe a bit older and has potentially already, you know, lost their virginity. But yeah, um, it was a weird experience. And I, if I'd been able to redo it, or if I could help my kids to, you know, I would never. If I had kids, I'd never encourage them to go out and lose their virginity, but I would hopefully give them all the tools or have a conversation about it to make sure that they did not lose it the way that I did because that's not how I would want anyone to do it. Mm. And f- to preserve the sacredness around it as well because, I mean, come on, it's... Yeah, it was not a very sacred experience. <laughs> <laughs> how was yours? No, it was actually. I'm. I'm proud. Mm. I'm very proud of him too. It was like one of my best guy friends, and we were just like, "Should we do this?" And we were sober, and I also came. That's that's a high five for him. It was his first time too. That's amazing to do that because wow. you know when you talk to women, yeah, it's. Many times I would say that women are faking and men don't even know because we're so fucking good at it. <laughs> I've asked even like, I'm like, have, I've asked past parts. I was like, have you ever faked with me? But yeah, I think a lot of women are mm. for sure. Well, that's good. Good on him. Good for you. Because I mean, I meet a lot of women who's never even had an orgasm in their entire life having sex. sick. Yeah. Oh, my. And I think it's... mm, I'm actually going to take some responsibility here (laughs) and say that it's a part of that is is women's own fault Mm. because of the sex toys today. Yeah. And yeah, now we're really spiraling from dating to to sex toys. But yeah, yeah, women today are losing the actual hands-on touch. And no wonder you're not Mm. having an orgasm when you're having sex with a man. Like it's it's hard for him to to become uh, the best, like on the level that sex toys are at today. Yeah. I bet, and I've never personally been a fan of of sex toys, so it's it's not something that I've actually been exploring. I don't know if to me they feel a bit robotic, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> and I feel like a lot of people who's super into this excuse excuse me for saying this, but I think a lot of people who's into this is people who's like searching for something that they can't achieve on a on a natural, you know, from a natural perspective basis mm-hmm. and. I, I've seen a lot of people who's into like BDSM and, and all these like extreme forms of sex is usually like quite sad and damaged people who's like looking for something. So yeah, I don't know. Not my thing. Anyways, with that said, <laughs> excuse me if you're one of those people who's into this, but 
With that said, with that said, he I just think means that you could do a lot of things with your own creativity yes. and your mind before yeah. even thinking about a sex toy. That too, and I think a lot of people um, do not understand the importance of uh, time and build up. I think you know people um, they move to the act of penetration way, way, way before the person or the woman is even ready for it. It takes time for a person to open up thoroughly. And, you know, it, it, having like a proper foreplay and a build up is extremely freaking important. Because, mm. yeah, I mean, if you move into someone or if you penetrate someone, now this becomes like a freaking sex podcast. <laughs> but if you do that when the person is not open and ready for it, that's actually going to become like a trauma. So your body will close, your body will, um, you will create resistance, you will close off because your body is not ready to receive. Mm. So if you're not in a place that you're, you're ready to receive, um, that, that penetration can become a traumatization. Mm. And I see, I see this with a lot of people. They like move way too quick, way too quick. Yeah, and I would also say that when women are saying that they like it, that they like, like, you know, in the beginning, that is when you've, like, dated someone for a long time, you feel safe with them, and then yeah. you've had, like, you've gone to a restaurant, and, and the foreplay is even starting there, and exactly. then in the elevator, and then, like, so, so it's the women that say that they like it, it's probably because the foreplay already started yeah exactly and they feel safe and so forth mm. but yeah that's like ugh. of course there's people out there who's gonna like be uh happy about about this but i think a lot of people they have one night stands mo i assume that most one night stands are pretty fucking shitty mm. i really assume this because yeah i think mo because mainly most of them happens while people are drunk that's number one Number two, they happen like very quickly mm. and spontaneously. So I think it's so easy to romanticize the act of having sex with someone. But, you know, for example, I am a very, oh, I don't know. I, I think it's called demisexual. And what that means is I need an emotional connection. I have to have an emotional connection with someone. Otherwise, I can't. Mm. I can't. It's like, I don't enjoy it. I feel like shit afterwards. I feel dirty. I feel sick. I feel like, ooh, what the fuck did I just do? This was not good. This was not necessary. I have anxiety around that doing it. Um, if there's not emotional connection. If it's if I just do it because of the act of doing it, no. Nah. Mm. It doesn't work at all for me. Mm. So that's a huge thing. And I think a lot of people do this. They just have sex for the act of having sex mm. and they feel shit afterwards so i've seen friends of mine who's been on like hundreds of tinder dates yeah and then you're also you're becoming everyone so so that's why like i have a lot of guy friends and they're like jenny are you sure that like it's not good to to have too many you know People you're having sex with, like, yeah, I'm sure you that that's why so many people feel lost, yeah, because you are walking around with like, yeah, uh, a lot 
Mm. On you, in you. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so now we're spiraling. Yeah, like always. Totally. Back to, this was an episode about relationships. Yeah, it became that. And yeah, how you know if you're single and you're looking for someone, then if you're a man that is looking for for a woman, is that... Is this the woman that will be the lioness of fire underneath me to to run towards my purpose? And the other way around, if you're a woman and, and you're looking for a man, is this the man that's going to hold you in, in safe arms yeah. for you to bloom like you should be blooming? For sure. And if you're a woman searching for a woman... Same thing, yeah. but what it is that you're looking for a man and man, you know, I'm not, I'm not there. So I don't really know, but yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like always time flies. I think this has been a fantastic conversation. Um, I think we covered a lot of ground and I love how every episode becomes unique because of where we're at as well. Because this is, in, in truthfulness, us having a conversation. And uh, you're getting to know us in many different phases and many different places. And just, yeah, it's becoming a lovely thing. A lovely routine <laughs> to have these conversations. <laughs> so, with that said, um, yeah, thanks for listening in. Thanks for sharing and asking questions and being a part of this journey of naked insights yeah and it might be someone that you know that needs to hear this right now yeah send that to that person yeah that's a good thing all right mm. see you next time see you soon <laughs>